Hey there, badass. Welcome to the Leading Rebels podcast, your bi-weekly dose of inspiring advice dished up by kick-ass female leaders. I'm your host, Kat Brandel, and this is episode three, an interview with Stephanie Zing, Senior Director of Technology at NBC Universal, one of the world's leading media and entertainment companies. From transitioning from peer to boss and shifting your mindset from I to we to how to lead someone green, this episode is full of gems you don't want to miss. Welcome to the first international interview on the Leading Rebels podcast. It makes me so happy that we have the tech that allowed me to sit in my living room in Berlin while chatting with Stephanie Zing in NYC. Stephanie hails from Silicon Valley but calls New York City home now. She's a media technologist focused on product strategy with a professional background that spans across multiple verticals. Currently, she's Senior Director of Technology at NBC Universal, managing the product portfolio for national cable entertainment networks in the U.S. In addition to media, she also has a passion for academia and concurrently spent time at Columbia University earning a master's degree in technology management. Stephanie continued on as instructor at Columbia, teaching Bergen technologists to be experts in the area of corporate finance. In her spare time, she can be found outside running, cycling, or rock climbing. Before we get started, important reminder to head on over to leadingrebels.com slash three after the episode. I jotted down all key takeaways for you so you don't need to scribble along as you listen. Plus, there's even a leadership checklist you don't want to miss out on. Now let's dive in. Well, Stephanie, it's lovely that you can make the time today. Um, I love that we're connecting New York, Berlin, cross-continental and everything. I, uh, we actually got introduced by a mutual friend, Anlitha, who was actually also on the podcast recently. And I was super interested uh, seeing your profile that you're now working in NBC. But before I take too much away, it would be great if you maybe want to say a couple of lines about who you are, where you've been, and a bit of your history. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, so thanks for having me on, Kat. It's a pleasure to be here. Just a few um, notes just in terms of, you know, my professional history and things like that. Uh, I grew up in the Silicon Valley um, in, in Northern California. So I had parents that worked in tech. My mother was a leader at IBM by the time she retired. And so I just had some really great role models to look up to. Um, so you can say that I kind of fell into the world of tech, if you will. I interned at a semiconductor company during college, which um, luckily there was an office both in the Bay Area as well as in Austin. So I was able to travel home to see my parents and also go to school and intern at the same time. So it was a lovely opportunity and uh, serendipitously worked out very well for me. Upon graduation, um, interestingly enough, that same company wanted to get some good best practices in place for the Shanghai office. So when I graduated, I actually had the opportunity to move cross country or actually no, across the world, um, actually to Shanghai and worked there for a number of years before coming back to the Bay Area and making a transition to New York. So in New York, I I, I more or less just kind of quit my job. I wanted to just really explore what was out there. So I took a risk, came came to New York, um, started working at a, um, a small, at the time it was kind of a startup called Fresh Direct. Fresh Direct is a, uh, a company that delivers, you know, fresh groceries to the metropolitan area of New York City. As you know, probably in Berlin as well, um, getting things from point A to B sometimes can be quite difficult. Absolutely. So it was a grocery, <laughs> it was a grocery delivery company dedicated to making your life easier and seamless. And um, I managed a lot of the, the systems and the ERP process behind the scenes, 
course, our mutual friend, Letha, that's where I met her, you know, did a lot of that front end web development and product development. So that was a a really interesting um, experience for me because I got to see the see, you know, kind of the technology through a smaller lens, if you will, um, being at a smaller company and being where it was kind of a lot of bootstrapping and um, a lot of people wearing multiple hats and and, um, what have you. So after that transition, I uh, started applying for graduate school, got into Columbia, and at the same time, I also switched gears a little bit to move into the world of market research. And I think as a as a good background and segue, um, I've always had a passion for product development and um, product technology. So um, this company offered me more of a portfolio or a product portfolio view of um, multiple technologies, both being built in-house and, and licensed out-of-house. So that was a really interesting hybrid to me. So um, I took the task of you know, managing um, the software development lifecycle for a number of products before then kind of transitioning into more of a leadership role there within that, um, that research company. And then that kind of brought me through grad school and finished out my grad school years within MBC, where I still uh, am employed now. And I think grad school was really, it was a blur for those two years because, as you know, just working full time and um, going to school at night and, and on the weekends was, was, was quite the, the time, the time suck. So yeah, that sounds um, like a lot on one, on, on one plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, of course, I brilliantly decided to go in marathon training um, towards the oh, end wow. of that. So I, ha- I had my, uh, my thesis that was due or my, my final defense that was due. Around the same time, um, the marathon was uh, going to happen. So <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but I guess it did. It made it made the time pass by quickly. Let's just say that. Yeah, definitely, we're not lagging a lot there. Um, so many <laughs> questions coming out of this. Um, maybe to, sure. to go back to the the beginning. Would you say kind of that that your mom was a bit of a leadership example for you, having you know being in that senior position at IBM, or was there like other examples in the beginning that kind of give you that first taste of um, what a leader looks like, uh, or should or shouldn't actually is the question always, but. Yeah, um, she actually did shape um, a lot of my goals and aspirations. I think just the the first thing that came to mind was that she was just juggling so much. And so, you know, coming home, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest of three, so she would come home to just a household of, you know, us like building tents out of all of the furniture and, you know, making dinner and then kind of going about her day with my dad and um, just seeing her, you know, balancing that. She may not know this now, but I, I really looked up to how she was able to manage her time. And I think that she governed <laughs> the house in the same way that she may have governed her job uh, because, you know, she was very about very much about being on time, being punctual having a, a good rhythm to the day. And I think that really set forth a lot of good habits that, you know, I still exercise day to day. And so a lot of people will say that when they meet my mom, uh, we're, we're very similar <laughs> in, in the, um, I hope the best ways, but I'm she sure. did shape and inform. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of my current behaviors and, um, and good habits, I would say. To understand that you have, you know, tested a lot of different, very different cultures. So if you, you know, you come uh, from the West Coast, but then of course we're in Shanghai, and then also now you're in the East Coast. Did you ever feel during that time see the cultural differences? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say that the the experience of being an intern to being thrust into a full time position and then moving 
you know, across the world was definitely an eye-opening experience for me. I, I just remember being thrust into a lot of responsibility all of a sudden. And when I didn't have school to counterbalance my job, I um, I learned very quickly that I needed to step up. Uh, and of course, you know, that sounds obvious, but when you're actually going through it as a pretty new adult, um, navigating not only a big move, you know, language barriers, cultural barriers, and me being, you know, ethnically Taiwanese, I, I actually can speak Mandarin. So I, I could speak the language, but it was still different having, you know, American roots and growing up as an American. So it was kind of that bifurcated experience, if you will, of growing up Chinese American and experiencing both parts of that, but not really feeling like I belonged in each of those worlds. Um, so alongside the, um, the challenges of, you know, understanding what it's like to be a fully formed adult to understanding what it's like to be a person, you know, culturally, um, that those were two things that I, I wish I could have handled better, but I guess I just didn't know how to handle it. Uh, so those were some, uh, honestly, the first six months, um, moving there was, was quite tough. And so I, I kind of just thrust myself into work and, um, and just stayed very focused. And looking back, if I was to give myself advice, it would just be to really enjoy a new culture and kind of try to balance out work with the other things that were around me. So um, I, I kind of just really focused into wanting to belong so badly that, you know, I, I poured myself into wanting to be successful. And that resulted in just working uh, a multitude of hours to to make sure that transition was good and seamless for me. Yeah, often finding that balance when when you do have, um, I think, like high expectations of yourself and and, and have somewhere to go is, is always a bit a bit tricky. Though it mm-hmm. is a bit funny in the sense that actually, if you give yourself more time, you're usually actually better at what you're doing. But um, <laughs> saying that and living that is uh, is usually very two very different things. It's very very different. Yeah, exactly. So was it also when you were in Shanghai um, when you maybe had your first? people you were also guiding or was that only later or what was your first experience when you got thrust into a a leadership position? Yeah. So, um, it's a good question. Um, I, I was an individual contributor all the way up until my experience at the research firm I mentioned earlier. It was during some leadership changes that of course our, our senior folks, um, decided to transition out of the company. And so literally overnight I was, you know, I went from being a peer to several people, um, that, I had worked with for a number of years to being their boss. And so I was pulled into an office the day before, was notified that I was given a promotion and that these two people would be, you know, reporting to me. And so literally overnight, I had to switch gears from being in, in, in execution mode to thinking about how to lead a portfolio and also a strategy around that portfolio of products. I, I decided at the time, okay, this is a paradigm shift in terms of what I was doing. I can't just continue doing what I was doing before because that's going to, of course, you know, result in the same product. So I decided that instead of being a boss, I, I decided to take on that role of being a teacher. And I think that was in parallel having, you know, gone, been going to school, having experience of being in a classroom, that role of being a teacher as opposed to being a boss um, came quite naturally to me. Um, the, the two people I was guiding, they, um, they weren't very well trained in, in the traditional sense of product management. And so being someone that was, um, you know, project management, um, professional certified and certified scrum master, I put them in a conference room for two days and I taught them, uh, the scrum framework. I, I asked them to apply the framework to what we were doing to, uh, put, 
kind of action or, or learnings into action. And, and then formally at a later date did put them through formal training, um, so that they could get a certification and feel like they were accomplished. And so, um, I think this led to folks being my peers, you know, they, they were able to then view me in a different light as someone that was a subject matter expert in the area of project management. So that helped quite a bit with the transition because I think it's oftentimes tough when, of course, there, there's a leadership change. No one really had a lot of control over it. And um, and now all of a sudden someone that you knew, you know, very closely, someone that you considered a peer is all of a sudden your boss. And I'm, I'm sure that this re- is resonating with a lot of people that are hearing this is, you know, sometimes you don't have a lot of control over the things that happen at that higher level, um, nor do you sometimes have control over, you know, sometimes even being a leader. You know, I didn't I didn't go out asking for a promotion. I knew, of course, that I wanted to be a leader at some point, but I also wasn't, you know, looking to just step into someone else's shoes at the time. So it was an interesting, um, interesting shift for me. So it was just, you know, kind of having that aha moment of, oh, wow, I need to be doing something differently. And what does that look like? So I, I, I did sit down and just, I actually wrote it down. I, I was writing down just kind of what I was going to envision my first day as a leader to be and what I would do kind of almost every hour of the day of, of that first day. That definitely, I mean, considering that they, that you got thrown a little bit into the cold water, that definitely seems like a, a <laughs> trying to like get, get some structure in there and, and guide yourself. And I think the advice of seeing yourself as a teacher rather than a boss, uh, is, is sounds, you know, it's a great sense of things. I'm sure it also helped, you know, your former colleagues, so to say, not to feel like it was such an abrasive shift. Um, right. And it, it, it was a bit more softer, I'd say, than just saying from one day to the other, okay, I'm just going to tell you what to do. It's more like, Right. I'm going to like help you and grow and maybe teach you as I can, but I'm not just gonna, you know, take this this classical, let's say, like boss role of, of just delegating mm-hmm. to you. Right. What? Yeah. What? How did they take it? And I mean, it's always I think also what can be tricky is that in a in a factual sense, people say it makes sense, but then of course, uh, in in like the interpersonal can still be a bit tricky. Were you able to manage that okay, or? Was there a bit of friction there, but then that dissipated or how did that transition go since it was quite abrupt and unannounced, I'd say? Yeah, it's um, another great question. Um, I, I think in the very beginning, um, of course, there definitely was some abrasiveness. I think that came from probably an area, like probably not understanding that the situation was happening. And so I think the abrasiveness came from them feeling like they were in the dark. And so when I sat them down on day one, hour one, literally, um, my message to them was, here's what's happened. Here's what's going to happen now. You know, I'm, I'm now the, the leader and, um, of, you know, of this team. And, and here's my forecast into what I would like us to do going forward. And there are some things that may change. And I even told them, hey, listen, on, on certain days, there's going to there's gonna be moments where you're not going to agree with me and you're not going to like me even. And I said, and that's okay. That's that's all a natural evolution of how we as a team are going to grow and evolve and evolve into that next level. So I think once I sat them down and once I, I was very transparent and took away the ambiguity, it was only then that they started to start, you know, that they started to work with me in more of a cooperative way. And I, and of course, you know, we were friends before that. Um, so that also helped um, to some degree is that it was me. It wasn't just someone stepping in from the outside that they didn't know. But but definitely there was um, some level of friction on that first day because no one really knew what was going on. Yeah, it was, it was also great that you kind of had the, 
I guess on your side, awareness and also acceptance that it's not always going to be all rosy and loving because uh, actually this is something <laughs> Letha mentioned in the beginning as well. It's like, especially in the beginning, we want to be liked. And, and, you know, if it's your colleagues and people you weren't on a more of a friends, you know, friendly level, then you want them to like you and be good with you. And it's it sometimes can be a bit of a challenge in the beginning to learn that as a leader, sometimes there are going to be moments where people aren't going to love you. And that's okay, so to say. Exactly. Yep. That's a great way to put it. And I think that it's a lesson that I continue to take with me because sometimes, um, and I'm sure this is another thing that resonates with a lot of, you know, your, your listeners is that sometimes we don't have the opportunity to pick the people that report to us or, or even the people that work with us. It's just, you're, we're, we're put into situations where we have to work with what we have. And I think the first step in getting uh, and garnering that initial trust is to be completely transparent and to just and to paint a picture of what it's really going to look like, not not the way that you would like it to look. Absolutely. So is there, what we say was your biggest learning moment since then? Was there a moment what, that maybe caught you off guard a little bit, and then since then you've, you've become aware of it, or what kind of was one moment that you would say was integral in, in you really learning a new facet of leadership? I think this was something I learned gradually while trans- transitioning from being a tactical and individual contributor to having strategic oversight for a team. So that that big learning moment came when I realized I was responsible for the growth and career of several people, not just my own. And I think as an individual contributor, you're always thinking about, okay, what's around me, what's above me, what's below me. And and I think that once you put yourself in the shoes of someone that's, you know, that you're responsible for that career and that growth um, of that person, that caused a you know a light bulb to go off in my head. So I, I oftentimes tell my team Five simple yet very effective words, and that is, I won't let you fail. I, I just always want my team to know that I'm in their corner and that I'll be an ally as they navigate the complex problems and projects so that I'm not just a, throwing them at it and, and just letting them kind of go about it their own way, which is great, and they should have their own style on and management over, you know, how they execute their projects. But I think, you know, again, knowing that you're responsible for the careers of um, these people that are reporting into you, it's a very big learning moment for, for a leader and to, to really kind of take their careers under your wing and, and to make sure you have a, a runway for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, don't, I don't remember if I read this somewhere or what it said, but it's something along the lines of the biggest success of your team members is theirs. And then if something goes wrong, that's on you. So it's kind of like a little bit yeah. of playing that buffer um, to the outside that they don't feel like every single move they make is being scrutinized and you kind of give them that free space to to try things <laughs> and grow right exactly and and on that note I, I will say that what what I do for, for my team that um, reports into me is I always give them stretch assignments that they they kind of have guardrails in which they have that opportunity to fail and I think that sounds odd because you never want you know your your folks to fail per se but for instance at MBCU we were a team that's dedicated to not only product portfolio management, and, you know, kind of managing that software development lifecycle for each product that we manage. But we're also um, a business engagement team. And so our success is very much dependent on the success of our um, of the people that we manage or, or that we support. So in our instance, we support our cable entertainment networks such as USA, Sci-Fi, Bravo, um, E! Network, to name a few. And the success of their marketing campaigns, for instance, and how well they're able to execute across their marketing campaigns 
is directly a, a success that's attributed to us because we want to make sure they're working fluidly and working smoothly with, you know, opportunity opportunities for efficiency and all of those good things. And so in that sense, for instance, I'll tell my team, hey, you know, we don't really have a business engagement vertical or oversight into this one team. Why don't we see if we can go ahead and understand their workflows a little bit better and see where we might support them from a technology standpoint? So those are some good stretch projects that I, I like to give my team. And it's like, hey, we didn't really yield anything from that meeting. And that's okay. It's not to say that that person has failed, but what the good news is that we've made a connection to that team. And so the next time they think about, oh, I have this business problem. I wonder if technology can solve it. You know, we're likely going to be the ones that they call. So um, I think having those those assignments that, you know, don't necessarily fall within the wheelhouse or the normal normal wheelhouse of their day to day, it's good to get them outside of their comfort zones and, and stretching them in different ways. And who knows, you know, sometimes some of these pet projects might turn into a much larger engagement and we wouldn't have known that had we not stretched ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you said, like kind of not just staying in your own lane, but branching out and seeing what are people doing and having those communication channels open often leads to much better, better results. Um, and also, as, as you said, with the with the failure in quotation marks, uh, there's my favorite example is there was a study about people who were taught to juggle and then one group was told to just try to juggle just straight off the bat and the other group was told like throw the balls down and everybody was like why am I supposed to throw the balls on the ground but then actually they found that that group learned how to juggle well much faster because they lost the fear of dropping the balls the other side was like so focused and oh my god never in a thousand years could this you know fall down that they did it much slower so it's like kind of like if you learn and it's like it's not as bad as you think it's gonna be um (laughs) right it helps actually i love that yeah totally that's exactly that's a perfect parallel yeah i love that study um so Kind of a little bit of a switch was you mentioned earlier, which I found super interesting, is you've been in different environments. So from not just the countries, but also from startup to corporate and so on. How have you found differences there? Has that shaped maybe your understanding? Have you brought a way of thinking from one to the other? Hmm, that's a that's a really good question. I mean, I think, yeah, going from um, like, a, a, like you said, a larger corporation to a smaller one, it it allowed me to think a little bit differently. And so in a larger corporation, you're almost afforded a lot of time to think through some business problems because of the red tape. Um, and then I think that being at a smaller company allowed me to act more nimbly. And so I loved, you know, the security, so to speak, of a larger company and kind of all of those comforts that go with it to being able to think nimbly. And um, at a smaller company, I, I really wanted to find that perfect hybrid and so I think I, and I, in fact, I know that I, I jumped around quite a bit because I was trying to find that perfect space. And for now, I, I think I have found it. I mean, I think, you know, with NBCU, it's a large, it's a large corporate entity with, you know, a pretty, a larger even parent company. But I found that working with the various networks um, that we support, each of those networks has its own culture in some ways. And so it's kind of like jumping from one startup to the next um, in, in the sense of having to support seven, seven different national brands or national networks. And so um, I, I, I think that it's, it's always good to kind of find that sweet spot. I, I think it's uh, difficult to find, but I think it's, it's one of those things that when you do find it, you want to hang on to it as much as you can. But then I think on top of that, 
what we love doing too is um, having people come in to pitch to us. You know, being in technology, we have the luxury of you know having outside companies pitch their capabilities to us, and so I love learning about new technologies, being at a larger company and being kind of on the other side of it. And, you know, not critiquing, but also, but questioning like, like, okay, you have this product, what can it do? How does it fit into our ecosystem of other products? And is this, is this something that we want to bring on to make us competitive, competitively advantageous within the media and, and entertainment industry? So um, being on the other side and being on that larger company does allow us this kind of, I would say, just capability to see all the various different types of companies that are also out there within our space. And another thing I like to do is also attend pitch forums, um, not just within the media and entertainment space, but even outside and beyond um, what's happening with, you know, kind of the overarching environment of technology. Yeah, I think, and as I said, it's, it's a great idea to try to create a ha- hybrid, as I said, of one thing or the other, because both have pros and cons. And if you can find like the sweet spot of what works with the one and bring it to the other, that's a uh, that's a great recipe for success, I'd say. And speaking yeah. of success, uh, what would you? What was a moment maybe that you felt accomplished as a leader that you thought like that I can count as my leadership helped a person or a project or something specific that you felt that's a really good shining moment, so to say. Yeah, um, I think that example came pretty recently where I was given the opportunity to have an intern. And I oftentimes forget that there's a world outside of just being in the corporate world. And so when this, you know, literally 17, 18 year old showed up at my doorstep of my office, (laughs) I kind of didn't know what to do with her because she was so green. Um, She, you know, this was her first experience in a corporate environment. So what I what I did was I tried to match what she was expecting and kind of meet her at parity, but also bring her into this world of corporate life, if you will. So I actually wrote a syllabus, which is kind of cheesy, but um, I wrote her a syllabus on day one. And I said, here, here's what you can expect for your next three months here as an intern at NBC Universal. So here's what 30 days looks like here. You know, here's what 60 days looks like. And here's your final deliverable of what you're going to um, deliver to us as an intern. So um, it was fun. I mean, we actually had her work on an Alexa skill for one of our properties at eNetwork. That's pretty and, cool. Um, yeah. And so she, she created this quiz game of, a, a, you know, a lot of quotes that were said during a reality show. And then the, the listener then has to guess which talent said that quote. And so it became, you know, kind of became a trivia game. And at the end of the internship, she had something to deliver um, as a tangible product after three months instead of, you know, having an intern on to like write requirements or something more mundane. Like I wanted to really give her an experience as opposed to a job. So that that challenged me as a leader, not only from the the perspective of wanting to impart skills to this person, but also some of that EQ stuff that you can't really teach and something that you just have to watch and learn from. So um, I, I put her in multiple meetings with people that were outside of the scope of this Alexa project, and I just immersed her in a few a few projects where we were, you know, talking to brands, gathering requirements. She wasn't necessarily directly involved in the requirements gathering process, but I wanted her to see end to end, you know, how we how we go about establishing a project, executing a project, and then closing out a project. And then she did that in her micro form. Um, in creating the skill for us. And so I'm happy to say that the skill is actually being published in two weeks, which That's is, um, I know. And so she's actually going to 
be able to go back to college and say, hey, download the skill. I made this for <laughs> this really famous universe of reality shows on, on E-Network. It was a really great learning moment from her because I think that she was just surrounded by very, you know, like-minded members of the team. The other thing that I did was really corralled my team to to make sure that she was getting every single ounce of experience out of her internship as possible. So she had people, you know, people amongst my team inviting her to meetings, explaining things to her. I had them take an hour out of each week to just sit down and tackle a specific topic. And so I think that not only did we learn a lot um, in terms of teaching her, but I think we also took away just the, the pride of being able to show this person that was so green, like, hey, here's, you know, here's what it's like to learn about this, this facet of technology in terms of what we do. So, again, software development, um, that product portfolio, and then also that, that angle of business development and business engagement, which is a soft skill that I, I you know, it's very hard to, to teach. And it's something that if you watch it, you know, you can kind of impart some learnings from it. Absolutely. And, and I think what you, what, you, what, you, what you touched on, which is super important, is also giving people ownership of something that they feel is theirs, no matter at, you know, what level they're, they're at is great. And um, actually, that reminds me, there's an initiative in Berlin, uh, I think it's called Gear, Girls Gear Up, where it's actually like leadership summer camp uh, for girls still in school. Um, in the sense oh. that they get like invite speakers, have workshops, visit like both corporates and startups, and basically the idea is behind us. You, you know, you can't become what you can't see. So they're like, we're gonna like show you all these different versions of female leadership. So you early on get get inspired and, and kind of have a path there. And the yeah. the organizer, the initiator, was speaking at an event, and she also said it like on, inversely, it's like so amazing to have these like 14 year old girls, which are like such go-getters. It also like <laughs> inspires you <laughs> in turn, uh, makes you look back at, you know, what, what, how you've developed and grown. So it's, it's of course beneficial for, for both sides. Yeah, exactly. And, and for her to feel like a lot of us took her under her wing at the end, she was saying how she, how she was going to pay it forward to another, you know, woman in tech, um, later on down the line when she becomes a boss and like and so I think she just got a lot of role models as well out of the situation and I think it's it's that whole mantra of leading by example and I don't think I could have done it without the, my wonderful staff that also exemplified some of those traits too. Absolutely and it's also as it, what you said it's that community and then passing on that community building where yeah she was actually like the girls that go back to like their schools and they like decide to open like chapters basically where they meet with other girls because that's one thing that they get taught is you know women work together not against each other in a sense um yeah so that's also like a super important thing to be like it helps and then pass it on so to say which yeah, actually leads me uh to to a bit <laughs> of a question so sure. if you would say like if somebody's an aspiring leader or maybe just a new leader what do you think are the like three things um a couple of things at least that they should focus on like what is it important to like hone in and and try to learn yeah sure and yeah that's a that's a great question and i think so the first thing that comes to mind and it's it's actually top of mind for me because it's something that i just coached someone on was this concept of slowing down and i think that sounds odd in some ways because i think as leaders we oftentimes look busy we're, we're you know always going from meeting to meeting from call to call and because, you know, I think that's because we have to make so many micro and sometimes macro decisions every day. But I think there's a fine line between acting swiftly and being perceived as sometimes even frantic. 
I mean, we look, we live in a world of instantaneousness. An email can be sent, received, responded to within seconds. But, but I'll say that quantity doesn't always equal quality. So I think there's a lot of value in taking a breath, taking the time to listen, kind of, you know, turning that phone upside down so that when we're in a meeting, we're actually present, taking the time to listen, of course, and taking the time to, and I think most importantly, perceive our environment and perceive what's around us. So that's that's one thing. Transparency, I think, is another one. Um, and this alludes back to what I was discussing um, when I first became a leader back at my research firm, you know, taking out the ambiguity out of a situation. I think when when people feel like you're transparent with them, they feel informed. And I think that when they feel informed, they feel empowered to make decisions on your behalf because, you know, there's no way I can attend every single meeting that, you know, my four direct reports are setting up and attending themselves on a weekly basis. My calendar would just be, I would be working 24-7. So (laughs) I think, you know, as leaders, you know, we have to give feedback, you know, along the lines of transparency. I think having that reverse loop of, hey, here's something that you need to focus on. I think that's also really important. So just in the same vein of transparency is is giving feedback and, and making sure that, you know, they're they're giving the right tools to succeed. And along those lines, that kind of leads me to my third, that when giving feedback, I think people really want to know the why behind the feedback, even though they may not say it. Because I think, and I found that when I give feedback, they're focused on, oh my gosh, what I, what did I do wrong? And it's not so much what you did wrong. It's about, it's about the why, you know? And so I think instead of focusing on, oh, I may not have, you know, let's say my executive presence wasn't as strong as it could have been. That's all they're going to hear. But really what I want them to impart is, you know, your executive presence is important because this is how you're perceived by leadership. And that's your impression that you give and impart to the people that are perceiving you to be a contributor to this project. So I think that's really important in terms of painting a full picture when giving feedback around the what, but also most importantly, the why behind why that feedback is given. And then maybe even like a fourth point as well, I'm on a roll here is um, something that I did mention before, which is providing guardrails to allow for some margin of failure. So again, just giving people stretch projects, giving them ample room to grow and to be challenged outside of their normal skill set is really important. And I think something that happens the natural course of when this when these stretch projects are given is that I find that my team collaborates more, is that, you know, they they'll impart knowledge to each other, whether it's over chat or they, they all sit next to each other and it's like, oh, that's interesting that you've heard that. I've also heard this too from a separate person and maybe this is something that we can collaborate on you know so i think that it it creates a really good discussion whether informally or formally so i think i would say those are the the four things that i at least i try to focus on day to day as a as a leader absolutely and and i love that you started with the slowing down because i feel if you don't do that first part you can almost not do any of the following you you know you can't (laughs) give feedback if you don't have time to like observe people and actually tell them something and uh, right. if you're just running from meeting to meeting and not failing people in on anything, you can't be transparent and there's no guardrails <laughs> if you're never available. So it's um, so it's one of those things right. that if you're not around, it's hard to do anything else. So right. yes, that's absolutely a, a good starting point to then, to then build up on. And since I, I would assume, since you come from a very teaching perspective, which is awesome, did you use any resources initially like maybe or even now is there any like books or tools or anything specific that you would recommend women should read or listen or watch to maybe get a bit of a learning themselves and teach themselves yeah so i really 
loved some of the the um, the books on leadership in grad school, but I, interestingly enough, uh, even as an academic, I found them to be quite dense. And so what I found that I've been more attracted to is reading about thought leaders. So reading about, you know, Elon Musk, even like Jack Welch, I think he's, you know, his leadership style isn't necessarily something that I would employ, but I like taking the various leadership highlights from every single leader I read about and, and maybe even just kind of coalescing my own style. So while I may not agree with some leadership traits that some people might hold, it's still interesting to get a perspective on how they might lead a team. Some other tools that I recommend is around just networking. Um, I always think that once you start acting in a silo, you, you almost stop learning. And so a, a counteract counteractive tool to that is attending, you know, networking events, pitch sessions, especially is, is another great thing because you, you kind of find out what the, the latter generations are doing. Just the other night, we were discussing um, about social media trends at a pitch event that I was at. And I was learning all about these behaviors from Millennium Z, I guess is what they're calling it. <laughs> yeah, no, millennials are out. It's, it's, it's already over. <laughs> it's over, yeah. I think I was like part of that somewhat like fringe millennial tribe. And I think now it's um, Millennial Z is what they're calling it. Um, so those are like people in high school or even entering college right now, just learning about some of those, cons- you know, behaviors, it might inform how we shape and build our technology going forward. And so, you know, as a technologist, once you stop learning about it, you, you stop being on trend. And I think that's a dangerous place to be when you're trying to hone those skills and, and stay ahead of the game in terms of competitive advantage. So those are the types of things I like doing. Um, it's, it's something that I encourage um, members of my team to attend too. And so we're, we're on a bunch of listservs that, you know, we'll ping an event to a certain Slack channel when we see something that is of interest. And then we'll usually have like one or two people attend from the team. And it's also a really great learning opportunity to, to attend with your team because you're like, oh, well, what about what about this idea? I mean, this isn't necessarily what, you know, what this pitch event is or, or what this this pitch is about. But what if we angled it in a way that we could use some sort of um, method methodology or technology in our day to day? So it keeps our wheels turning. It keeps us thinking outside of the box. And yeah, I think that's a, a great tactic to do as a team building exercise. Absolutely. I think getting out there is, is very integral to not, not getting stuck in, in your own little world, so to say. Um, yeah. To, to kind of close off, is it maybe like some parting advice or, or last thought yet that you would love to share with, with women? I would say from a leadership perspective, I would say think one level bigger. And when I say think one level bigger, I, I mean think one level bigger for yourself and also for each member of your team. Think several years out and plan long range. I think I always do this, which is like just opening up a notebook and just writing it down. What what does my career look like in one year? What does it look like in three years? And I think instead of looking up and you know trying to climb that next rung, what does three rungs up look like? Or what does it look side to side? I think we, we get caught up in this whole like very linear progression of career. And I think that there's also that opportunity um, to to really stretch ourselves as well from a skill set perspective. So I would say don't get caught, caught up in titles either. I think that's that that sets you up to just, you know, almost not only not only a linear progression, but just kind of a very narrowed view into where your career might go. 
So explore all facets of your career. Title isn't everything. And along those lines, it's also having that view of your career of your people three years out. So where do you see the runway for, you know, employee A, B or C, um, you know, have that that luxury of being able to sit down and, and plot that out really also accelerates your growth as a leader. So I think naturally your staff will be able to feel the depth and breadth in their opportunities because they'll naturally see that you're establishing that sort of culture. So that's that's my yeah, that's my last kind of parting words, I would say. It's totally right, and I think also seeing the bigger picture. Um, I had a job which was an was which the first for me, but I had uh, the CEO basically say it in a team meeting once, like, "By the way, guys, we want what's best for you, and if at the moment that's here, that's awesome. But if you know at some point it isn't, and you want to go somewhere else, like we're here as people for each other, for you to grow. And if you say, "Hey, this is not it," that doesn't mean we're not going to support you or help you. And I think having that kind of like not just like so staunch just seeing the small picture and so it's like where are we now but being like it's a bigger picture and we if we help each other it's always gonna help us in the long run it's, it's super interesting and also the linear thing i think you proven with your path that being in different places being a big small corporations different countries helped you hugely even if it wasn't traditionally linear so that there's always huge learnings in that absolutely yeah i completely agreed with all of that it's a wonderful thing, I would say. I've been afforded a lot of wonderful opportunities, and I'm so thankful. Well, thanks so much for sharing them with the audience and, and kind of sharing your experience and insights. And, yeah, thanks so much for having this conversation. I'm sure people will have a lot of takeaways um, to on their way for their own leadership. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the episode description for more on today's guests and a link to everything that was mentioned. And now I'd love to hear from you. What key takeaway from today especially resonate with you? Head on over to leadingrebels.com and leave a comment on the blog. I look forward to continuing today's conversation with you there.